Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. We serve another master. And he has told us what's coming. So that alone, knowing that he's in control, let the joy of of the Lord be your strength. His joy. When he sees us being strong in him, it brings him joy. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Welcome, everyone, to Truth in Christ Radio. Today, Pastor Rob begins our study in the Old Testament book of 1 Samuel. In this book of the Bible, God began his plan, as he almost always does, with a person he will use. God can do his work by himself, or by angels, or by any number of other means, but his normal method is to find a certain man and work through him. Pay close attention as we see the work of God in different people while we take our journey through the book of 1 Samuel. Now here's Pastor Rob. Uh, Let's go ahead and open our Bibles to 1 Samuel. We're going to be starting in the book of 1 Samuel. This is one of my favorite books in the entire Bible. This whole thing, 1 and 2 Samuel, is one of those places that I I, I couldn't wait to get here because it just speaks of... The difficulty, you know, certainly Samuel's life, which we're going to be getting into in the first several chapters, and we'll see his character uh, quite a bit as he uh, ministers to David and, and ministers to Saul and uh, anointing them and, and just the life of, of the nation going from Saul and, and the things that the nation of Israel is learning throughout this whole process. And it's a real difficult learning thing for them. And um, we just finished the book of Judges, which is really a, a history of Israel during the time of uh, a certain period of time after they had come into the land. And it was really a time of failure for them. And even now that we're starting in uh, the book of uh, 1 Samuel, we're right on the heels of that era of the Judges. And so things really haven't changed a, a whole great deal nationally. They're still struggling with compromise, still struggling with sin. And, and, and the people of Israel are getting frustrated, and they want a king, like all the other nations. And it's an unfortunate thing when the people of God want something that God has not designed for them. It's an unfortunate thing when we desire something that God says, that God says, am I enough for you? And we, uh, we say, no, you're really not. 
And we, we prove that. And, and, and before we get on the case of the Israelites, the truth of the matter is the heart of man, unrepentant, un, a heart that is not born again, that is true of all of us. It's not just the Jews. This could have happened to the Greeks. It could have happened to the Italians. It could have happened to the Germans. It doesn't matter what people group, because the Bible says that we have all sinned, right? We, we all have the same problem. And so it doesn't matter what group it is. But we're looking at this uh, book this evening, 1 Samuel. Tradition, tradition has it that Samuel wrote the book. First uh, and Second Samuel, but we can't be too dogmatic about that because we know that in First Samuel chapter twenty-five, uh, Samuel passes from the scene, and so somebody, and there's good reason to believe that maybe Nathan or Gad, the, these, these prophets, maybe they finished the the history here because this is really the history of Israel, and we're going to learn a lot about ourselves, and we're going to learn a lot about the history of Israel, but we're going to see God's hand in it all, and we're going to see that he's still redeeming. In fact, the Bible is a, is a book of redemption, and as we go through First Samuel, you're going to see that. It's about redemption. It's about redeeming. God is always redeeming, and his plan is unfolding. And remember, when we looked at Ruth, we saw that uh, in Ruth's lineage was not only David, King David, but ultimately it would be Jesus Christ, this Moabite Gentile woman who was poor, who was a widow, who was looked down upon, and now she's in the bloodline of Jesus Christ, along with Rahab the harlot, along with Bathsheba, along with Tamar, And God is a God of grace, isn't he? I love the fact that he left those names in there because it, it drives the person who is bent on legalism. Do you know legalism will kill you? If you're the type of person that is bound up in legalism where everything is just, you know, like this and you, and, and, and you just you frown at everything and everything makes you upset, you've got to really examine your heart. Now, granted, we live in a world that is not good and there's good reason to be discouraged. But you know something? The Spirit of God coming upon the heart can change a heart. And it's true that things are tough, but we've got to remember that we serve another master, and he has told us what's coming. So that alone, knowing that he's in control, let the joy of, of the Lord be your strength. His joy. When he sees us being strong in him, it brings him joy. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Interesting. So the author, we believe, is Samuel who also penned the book of Ruth. Now, when this book was written, we can't, it's not really conclusive. We know the date of events that this book covers is fairly identifiable. We know that that begins with the birth of Samuel, which is about 1105 B.C., and 2 Samuel ends with David's last words, and that happened, uh, when David passed away is around 971 B.C. So we've got about 135 years of history that we're going to be looking at in First and Second Samuel. But when it was actually written down, because you write something down after the fact, don't you? Most of the time. And so this was written down sometime, it could be as early as before the Assyrian captivity, when the, the Jews went into captivity in Assyria in 722 B.C. So sometime between 931 to 722 B.C., perhaps then, perhaps even later in time during when they were in their Babylonian captivity. It could have been then, too. Don't really know for sure, but those are two very good uh, places. 
In this book, we're going to find three main characters. We're going to find Samuel, whose birth we see in the very first chapter. We're going to see Saul's. We're going to see Saul's career. It's a short career. And then we're going to see David, which is my favorite character in this account. We'll see the ministry of Samuel and the beginning of the monarchy under Saul. We'll see that David is anointed. uh, He's anointed king by Samuel, but he's not officially coronated as he will be on the run from Saul, who was a jealous madman uh, when it comes to David. He was just so jealous of David for various reasons. We'll look at that. And finally, the book um, ends with Saul and his sons killed by the Philistines. And so it... um, Let's get right into it now. Let's look at chapter uh, chapter 1, verse 1. It says, Now there was a certain man of Ramathaim Zophim of the mountains of Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah, the son of jo- Jehoram, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuth, an Ephraimite. And he had two wives. The name of one was Hannah, and the name of the other was Penina. Penina had children, but Hannah had no children. And this man went up from his city yearly to worship and sacrifice to the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. And also the two sons of Eli, Hophni, and Phinehas, the priests of the Lord, were there. And whenever the time came for Elkanah to make an offering, he would give portions to Penina, his wife, and to all his sons, all her sons, excuse me, and daughters. But to Hannah, he would give a double portion, for he loved Hannah. Underline that. He loved Hannah, although the Lord had closed her womb. And her rival also provoked her severely to make her miserable because the Lord had closed her womb. So it was year by year when she went up to the house of the Lord that she provoked her, and therefore she wept and she did not eat. What an interesting story as we go here. Now, please understand, I say the word story, and if you know me, I hate the word story. We use it just as a, in our English language, we use story, even though we mean a, a historical event. But I want to make that very clear. This is not an allegory. This is history. And when you read the Bible, you need to read it that way, especially when, we, when we're into these books right now. This is history. This is not made up. And God put these things in here for our nurture, for our admonition, so we can see, number one, who we are, And we can also see how God works in the life of those who love him and those who are aloof from him. We can see how gracious he is, even to to those who spurn his offer of salvation. God is very gracious. Is he not? Has he been gracious to you? How, How old were you when you came to Christ? For me, it was 24. And I look back on those 24 years, those first years where I lived like a demon, <laughs> and I think of how, how God was so kind to me. I, I, re- I reaped, is that right? Is that, I, I reaped? I reaped what I sowed? Is that right? I reaped what I sowed. There's no doubt about it, but he was gracious. He was compassionate with me. He was always doing things to let me know that he was there, but I ignored him until 24. And, me, and we all have similar stories, but God is a God of grace. He loves you. And I love that about him. Isn't it the grace of God that has captured you? Has he captured you? Does he still have you? Or are you trying to wiggle away out of his 
covering. People do that, don't they? We like to have the salvation. We like to know that our secure that we're secure in Christ. We like to know that we're going to heaven. But then we don't act like a Christian. And so we have to be very careful. We have to ask the Lord, Lord, am I really one of yours? And if I am, Lord, help me to make changes in my life if necessary. And so let's look at the first verse here again. We've read that, that uh, verses 1 through 7. Let's go back to verse 1. It says, There was a man of Ramathaim Zophim, which is really just another name for Ramah. Ramah, this town, which is about 25 miles north of Jerusalem. And it's in the mountains of Ephraim. And there's a man there named Elkanah, the son of Joram, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Tuf, or Zuf, excuse me, an Ephraimite. So he's an Ephraimite because he lives in Ephraim, but by birth he is a Levite. He's a Levite. In fact, in First Chronicles uh, chapter 6, beginning in verse 31, let me read this to you. It says, Now these are the men who David appointed over the service of song in the house of the Lord. And only those Levites were able to serve in the temple, in the tabernacle. And we're going to see, as we just read that little, short little genealogy in chapter, or in verse 1, excuse me, we're going to see it again here. And, and we're going to see it goes on and on all the way back to Levi, which is important because it tracks his lineage back to Levi, which gives him the right to serve the way he does. It said, now, First uh, Chronicles 6, verse 31. Now, these are the men whom David appointed over the service of song in the house of the Lord. And this is many years after where we are currently located. After the ark came to rest, and they were ministering with music before the dwelling place of the tabernacle of meeting until Solomon had built the house of the Lord in Jerusalem. And they served in their office. Uh, they had offices. They had uh, timings. There were so many of them that they had their courses. They did these things in, in a, in a round-robin kind of fashion. Groups of men, groups of Levites doing certain things. And notice in verse 33, and these are the ones who ministered with their sons. Of the sons of the Kohathites were He-Man, the singer, or Heman. I like to call it He-Man because I, I envision this guy with big muscles, big vocal cords, and he's got this voice like Ken Graves, you know. You know, so I, I kind of think of him as the he-man, the singer. He's the son of Joel, the son of Samuel. Notice this, verse 34. This is where Elkanah comes in. The son of Elkanah, who is also the son of Jehoram, the son of Eliel, the son of Toa, the son of Zuth, the son of Elkanah, the son of Mahath. And, son, and he goes all the way down to the son, to, to Levi himself. And so we see this man's lineage. And why is that important? Because his son, as we're going to see here shortly, is also a Levite as well. And Samuel, at a very early age, is going to be serving in the tabernacle that is set up in Shiloh. And there's no way that he could do that unless he was a what? A Levite. He had to be a Levite, right? And so, but notice, concerning Elkanah, verse 2, it says, but he had two wives. The name of one was Hannah, and the name of the other was Penina. Notice, Penina had children, but Hannah had no children. So why did this Levite, this good man, what's, what's going on here that he's got two wives? What is a Levite doing with two wives? Well, there were times in the ancient uh, times and during this period of time where if a wife was barren, a man oftentimes would, would have another wife with who he could have 
uh, children by. And it could be that that was what was the deal here, because we do know that Hannah was barren, uh, but Penina was uh, able to have children, and she had a number of children. And um, it could have been that, too. It could have, that could have been the reason. But he's also supposed to have the moral high ground, isn't he, as, as a Levite. He's supposed to be the example. But again, this is on the heels of the judges. So uh, the, the whole spiritual temperature of this time period is still very tepid. It's not really on fire. Now, it doesn't mean that everybody was that way, but a handful of people were like little blazes of fire in the hand of God, and others were just kind of lost and, and going through the motions. But God originally designed marriage between one man and one wife. One man and one wife. Genesis tells us that in the first chapter, in verse 27, it says that God created man in his own image. And I say this today because this scripture needs to be echoed throughout all of our land because all of our land and most of the world is so inundated by the lie that it's okay as long as I love another person. It doesn't matter whether they're a male and a male or a female and a female or a 24-year-old male and a 14-year-old male, California, that is. Did you hear about that recently? I won't go there, but they just passed a law where you can be you can be, uh, it was on the books from 1944 that you could be 24 years old and have a intimate relationship, and you know what that means, with a 14-year-old, whether it was a you know, heterosexual kind of deal. But uh, the governor recently passed, just a few days ago, that you could actually, if they were the, of the same sex, that's fine. And so now you can have a man who's 24 years old and a young boy who's 14 years old. Can you believe that? It is so disgusting. So disgusting. But anyway, I say that because this needs to be spoken in all of our land. Again, you all know it. Praise the Lord. But God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, and notice, subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And Jesus, in Mark's gospel, in chapter 10, he said the same thing to the Pharisees. He says, From the beginning of the creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. And I love this. And the two shall become one flesh. Congratulations again, you two, because God has made you two one flesh now. Isn't that wonderful? And it is a good thing. And when you do it in God's way and in God's order, God, you get God's blessing. That's what I love about obeying the word of God. You obey it, you get blessed. If you disobey, then you got troubles. And the world is full of troubles. Why? Because people aren't listening. They're not obeying the word of God. And the two shall become flesh so that when they are no longer two but one, therefore what God has joined together, let no man separate. That's the mandate. That's the thing. And whenever man has transgressed this very simple, simple and logical command, it more often than not results in problems. And we're going to see that in this chapter and going forward that, you know, the Lord knew what he was talking about when he made it such. Male and female, together, they leave and cleave. They leave their parents. They come together. So important for us to understand that. And whenever, we, whenever anybody in the, in the Old Testament... Or in the New Testament, whenever there is more than one wife, one, more than one spouse, problems happen. Problems 
happen, and it happens all the time. We see it in Genesis. Remember with Abraham and Sarah and Hagar. Sarah couldn't have children. So Sarah gets so frustrated, she finally looks over at her handmaid, Hagar, the Egyptian, and she knows the promises of God, Sarah does, and she's thinking, well, since I can't have a child, then go in unto her and have a child. And he obeys her. He goes in, and, and they have Ishmael. But in, invariably, problems ensued, and we see that in Genesis 21, verse 9. And Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, who was Ishmael, whom she had already borne to Abraham, scoffing. Therefore she said to Abraham, Cast out this bondwoman and her son, for the son of this bondwoman shall not be heir with my son, namely with Isaac. And the matter was very displeasing in Abraham's sight. And so it creates family problems. It creates family problems. We see the same thing with Rachel and Leah. Rachel and Leah have this game with Jacob, and they're, 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 almost, they're, they're vying for affection based on how many children they can have by Jacob. And they're playing these games, and you read the account in Genesis 30, and they're just going back and forth, and there's such strife in the home. Leah and Rachel fighting with each other, and Jacob can you imagine the headache of coming home to that, being out in the field and coming home and have two wives not speaking to you because you said something to one and the other whispered about it or whatever? It's just it's not a good thing. God made a marriage, one man and one woman. And we're going to see the tension. And let's look at the really incredible example is Solomon. The Bible tells us in 1 Kings that he had 700 wives. 300 concubines. That's entertaining like three point or 2.75 wives every day. Having them at your table, because you can't have them all probably. Oh, what's your name again? You know, your face looks familiar, but I haven't seen you in like three years. What's your name again? It just isn't right. God made things very simple for us. And he made, uh, and this man had two wives, uh, Hannah. Her name means grace, and I love that. She's going to experience the grace of God. And Penina, her, the other woman who Elkanah had married, her name means jewel. And notice that, but Hannah had no children. And to be barren, barren or childless in a Jewish culture was tantamount to God's curse being upon you. That's really the way it was. She would be valued less in the culture. And because of human nature, people would look down upon her, and she would be in contempt of her peers as they looked upon her. There must be something wrong with you. Have you ever had anybody do that to you? Look, look down upon you? Maybe you're in middle school. Maybe there was some identifying mark about you. Maybe you look funny. Maybe you weren't that cute. Maybe you were gorgeous. Either way, you got all this attention, and sometimes it just is not good for you to receive all that attention. And people like to, to, to draw out those distinctions, especially young kids, and they torture you with them. Happened to me when I was little. I mean, think of a name like Kellogg. I mean, how many times was I walking along the, you know, the going from class to class by the lockers and hear somebody go, Hey, Cornflake. Hey, Snap, Crackle, and Pop. Hey, Sugar Smacks. Those are all Kellogg cereals, by the way. And I'd encourage you to get Cocoa Puffs because those are really good. You can hear them crackle when you pour milk on them. But anyway... But they, she was valued less 
uh, Hannah because of her barrenness. And to further exasperate things, the law said the following. In Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 12, it said this, and it was in... in I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of 1 Samuel. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.